let me choke us to the right Here I am stuck in the middle with you Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Millennial in the Middle. I'm Connor DeLynn. Today, I'm going to be sharing with you an interview that I recently did with Christina Bolaños. Uh, I actually met her through Carla Swenson Haslam, who is the second guest all the way back in episode four of the podcast. And what's interesting, I explain it here in just a minute in our interview. Uh, The two of them have never even met, but we connected on social media. And when I saw her story, on LinkedIn and her experience, I said, man, I have to have you on the show. To give you just a little preview, uh, she comes from an immigrant family. Uh, Her family is from Peru. Her father, as a young man, came to the United States in search of a better life, trying to provide for his family. She lived the first 10 years of her life with her mother and sister in Peru, while her dad was in the United States, sending money back home and trying to provide for them. And at 10 years old, was then taken away from her school, her upbringing, her country, and brought to New Jersey, was taken to the United States to live with her dad and their family in a lot of ways represents the immigrant experience in modern day. And I love some of the stories that she tells, but now she has taken that experience to really have it, you know, lend herself to all sorts of opportunities in her professional career now. Uh, She worked for a few years as a reporter for Univision, uh, the Latin Spanish uh, news channel, uh, and was able to tell stories focused on immigration and DACA and uh, uh, making sure, you know, asylum seekers and the crisis at the border. She covered that in detail and uh, was able to tell a lot of cool stories from those that were coming across the border and what their experiences were like. She has now actually started her own YouTube channel from people in the uh, Hispanic community that are sharing their experiences. And what I love more than anything else in this interview is really how it wraps up. I ask her, what does the American dream mean to you? And from all those that you've worked with and spoken with, as you've talked about their experience coming to America and going through the immigration process, you know, what does the American dream mean to them? Is that something that still exists in 2021? And I think her answer is inspiring. It's informative. And as always, I think we can benefit when we take the chance to listen to someone's experiences that may be a little different from ours. And as we continue to grow in understanding and in empathy, and as we all learn together, we all continue to move forward as a people. Hope you enjoy this interview. Well, Christina, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to share your story and your perspective with the listeners. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you, Connor. You know, our very, it was our second guest on on episodes here on Millennial in the Middle. I brought on Carla Swenson Haslam. And we talked about immigration. We talked about kind of the life of an immigrant. And I asked her at the very end of the episode, I said, Carla, what advice would you give to us, you know, trying to broaden our perspective and have a larger vision? And the advice she gave, I thought was really good. She said, get to know 
immigrants that live around you. Ask their stories and get, try to just really familiarize yourself with what they go through and their experiences. And I've tried to do that over the last, it's now been almost a year since that episode aired. And I thought it was funny because I connected with you via LinkedIn through Carla, through a post that she made and saw that you two were friends. And I quickly saw your story and was immediately attracted to uh, your story and what you've done. I'm like, man, we've got to get her on the show. And so I want to start by, obviously, we're going to get into what you're doing now and your experience reporting for Univision and the experiences that you've had as a paralegal working with those as they've tried to become legal and go through the immigration process. But before any of that, I want to start with your personal story of you are an immigrant. Your dad came to America when he was young and was the first person from his family to do that. I want to hear a bit of that story, if you could. Yes, of course. So it's a long story, but I try to make it short, <laughs> right? Not to bore people. Um, but yeah, so my dad, he is the first immigrant of my family. Um he came to the U.S. when he was 21 years old. So he was pretty young, relatively young. And it was during a social and economic crisis in Peru that he decided to immigrate to the United States. So at the time, Peru was facing a social and economic crisis because its president just apparently did not have enough money to um, pay for social infrastructure. You know, you're talking about people's needs, you know, hospital buildings, um, uh, resources, you know, that could help uh, Peruvians. But so just immediately the country went into a crisis and people were just freaking out. You know, I had my mom at the time was who was actually not dating my dad yet. They were, I think they were just starting to be, get, become friends. She um, was an accountant. She had just graduated and she had just um, gotten her first job offer as an accountant at a, one of the biggest banks in Peru. And so she, people like her, her and a lot of other people were quickly laid off from their jobs because everything was just bad. And uh, my my dad at the time, I think he was finishing up school, but he would just he was studying economics. So he was a always a business um, minded oriented person. And, um, you know, he was very driven. He had goals for him and his future family and and all that stuff. But unfortunately, because the there was just this crisis that was driving everyone nuts and, and making people very scared him and he like a lot of other people he one day he said um I'm gonna go to the U.S. he had heard about a neighbor of him I think from Cuba who had actually immigrated to uh Peru um because of a the crisis in Cuba at the time who had chosen to cross the border right and at the time you know you you think about crossing the border and um it doesn't, it's not, it wasn't as risky back then as it is now, I think. Um, and he decided to do that. He, um, I think with very little money, decided to go to Ecuador, which was the neighboring country to Peru. And uh, he just started on uh, his journey. Uh, I think he spent maybe almost two years in going from country to country, from Ecuador all the way through 
um, Central America, Mexico, and finally he made it to the U.S. Um, Mexico southern border. So that's how it all started. Um, he saw a lot of things, and that's one of the things that I I, I really hope to uh, that happens to me and my dad one day. I wish I hope to sit down next to him and ask him, "Hey, like, tell me your whole story," because it's something that I know about and my family knows about, and we know perhaps little. Um, experiences that he has uh, gone through but we don't completely know everything uh, that happened to him but he he did say that he he frequently mentions it to us that he he saw a lot of hard things you know not he it was not not only him that went through hard things but it was um the things that he saw were were pretty brutal so yeah yeah, but I think it's interesting when it comes to, uh, you know, veterans, I've seen the same thing, like a lot of Vietnam veterans, for example, you ask them about their experiences at the war, uh, in the war, they don't like talking about it. They don't like sharing those tough experiences. They would much rather talk about the future and what it led to them and more the values behind that. And it sounds pretty similar for your father, like making it from Peru through Central America, through Mexico, and he ends up in, of all places, New Jersey, right? Mm-hmm. Of all places in New Jersey, yes, eventually. But before he got there, of course, he had to, I think he lived in, first of all, in California, because that's the neighboring state to the U.S.-Mexican border, correct? And so, um, yeah, he lived in quite a few different places in Arizona, but eventually he does end up making it to New Jersey. I think one day he was just reading the newspaper looking for job opportunities, and there was this job posting um, that um, it was to work at the beach, and um in central Jersey, right? In the Jersey uh-huh. Shore area. And he said, okay, let's go. And so he got the job, ends up um, working there. And he now he needs to look for a house, you know, or an apartment, not a house, because I mean, he could only afford an apartment, even a room, just a room, right? Um, I think he had to sleep on the streets the very first few days. I think he, I remember him saying that to me and uh, even at the beach and it was, it was, it was hard, you know? And so, yeah, he eventually ends up finding that little room where um, we eventually um, moved to in the future, you know? And so it just kind of all connects and it's up happening, but it's, it's a crazy story. <laughs> yeah. Now the, what really interested me in your, the story of your father is something that happens pretty frequently when it comes to immigrants that, you know, the father will go to the United States to get a job, to make money, but the rest of the family stays home. They don't come with him. And your parents dated long distance for years. And we're not talking, you know, one college town to the next. This is Peru to New Jersey. Explain to me what that was like. Man, and it's it's funny. It's now that we're talking about it, it just makes me giggle a little bit because it's not you. It's an unusual thing. Just like you said, you know, we were sometimes when we're in high school, we're worried that we're gonna be far away from our high school sweethearts or whatever, right? Um, just because he and or her decided to go to another town or state to do I don't know whatever they need to do. But yeah, this was from Peru to New Jersey, which was a pretty pretty long distance and um I still don't know how they did it I don't know I don't 
I don't know if I could do it. Um, but yeah, I, I admire them for, for sticking together for that long and still be married till this day for that long. You know, obviously they've gone through a lot, but yeah, they've made it work. I don't know. And uh, yeah, and that's where me and my sister come into the picture a few years later. You know, we're, we're born, well, they, he, he is always back and forth, not frequently, but when he can, you know. Um, I think there was actually a time where he had to go back to Peru because things weren't really going uh, very well for him in the United States job wise, you know. And so I think that's when he comes back to Peru and that's when he's able to live with mom where or I guess get to know my mom a bit more and, you know and date her and all that stuff and so um but yeah I don't know I just like I said I this is everything they've they've told me but I I just want to know the details you know <laughs> so sure. it's very exciting but also crazy <laughs> so you live the first 10 years of your life without your dad being there like you are living in Peru your dad is in the U.S. you know sending home and providing for the family but then what clicked do all of a sudden say, okay, everybody come to America? Yeah, exactly. It was just, I remember um, I was 10 and I was going to elementary school in Peru. And I, would, I had just changed schools. Um, I had gone to this one school that was just right around the corner from my house in Trujillo, Peru, where I'm from, uh, for maybe nine years yeah so I I remember doing uh, preschool kindergarten and elementary school and then one day my mom says okay we're just gonna um transfer you and your sister to another school that's better I guess and better education you know um and I remember you know having to leave my friends and it was really hard and I had just gotten used to my friends who just lived right around the corner from me and we we did everything together and uh having to leave that for another school and and I I needed to know new people get to know new people make new friends and I remember halfway through the school year getting a call from the principal and her saying uh, that she needed to see me in the office. And it was my mom who said, um, so it was my mom that had just, I think she had just um, gotten to the school at that moment and to pick me and my sister up. Um, and I was really confused. I was like, what's going on here? And my mom says, okay. And then that's when she starts explaining to me. And I was just a 10 year old kid, you know, and she always says that I was, I handled it pretty well, you know, but I, I, I don't know. I remember crying a lot and I was just, a kid, you know, I, I think about it and I, I think about how very little I knew back then, but at the same time, how much I felt, you know, how many feelings went through me when she told me that we we were going to, going to move to the U.S. And I was like, no, but I don't want to leave. And I just made new friends and I like it here. And it just, it was really hard enough for me to come to this school. And now I need to go to a new country. Oh my gosh. And so it was, it was hard, but um, yeah. And that's when it all starts me and my, my mom and my sister start getting ready. Leave, we leave school and we only have a couple days to, uh, and then in the meantime, my, my dad was um, flying to Peru. And so we were going to meet up with him in a couple of days. And then we only had a couple of days 
everyone all together to get things ready to go to Lima, to go to the embassy and uh, get our papers in and get everything together. And so, wow. so you get to America and you didn't speak English, right? Speak English. Tell me, I I cannot even imagine what that must have been like as a 10 year old being ripped out of your home, your school, like you just said, a couple days notice, all of a sudden you're sitting in an embassy in Peru, and then you find yourself in your new life in New Jersey with this little family unit of four. What was that transition like? It was, it was crazy. I think, and now that I I look back, I, I think that that was my biggest challenge um, at first, you know, learning English and trying to communicate with people because I was a very, very social child, you know. I, um, I still remember walking into my fifth grade classroom all excited, uh, feeling all these things, excitement, but also... Um, a bit of fear and uh, first day was great you know you walk in and you have this nice sweet teacher and this really cool um, kids there and assistants that are all willing to help me you know and you know first first days are are nice I guess it's that's when you kind of get to know each other introduce each other to introduce yourself to each other and, and all that stuff but um but I remember as time goes by, I start to, I start to feel sad because here I am, you know, Cristina Bolaños coming from Trujillo, Peru, which is completely different from America or New Jersey, you know, New Jersey, USA. Um, and I was that very social, um, I guess, not to brag about myself, but I was that popular kid, you know, in, in her in her class who was always first, had the best grades, loved to dance and um, and did sports and all that stuff, you know. And then when I get to my fifth grade classroom or my or my new school in uh, Pleasant, New Jersey, I'm just not that kid anymore. And so that was, I think that was hard. That was a shock. Um, I remember a couple of times just um, not wanting to go to recess for for a small period of time and just wanting to stay inside my classroom and sit there and just put my head down because I just, I, I, I was feeling all these things. I didn't have friends and I could not communicate. That was the hardest thing. Like I said, could not communicate. Yeah. It's, it's, I guess, a little traumatic, but I mean, now I, I look at everything around me and I'm like, I was just a kid, you know, I cannot imagine what an adult has to go through when they're in, they're in that situation. They're yeah. in- so now you, you end up, you go to BYU and you all of a sudden have this desire to tell stories. Uh, you told me that, you know, you major in Latin American history where you wanted to connect with your culture and you wanted to tell stories. And this to me, I think is really one of the things I find the most fascinating with what you've done is what you've been able to do with Univision and in connecting with, uh, you know, people in the United States of Latin descent or of Latin culture or Spanish speakers. What has that been like? That has been just amazing. If I, I could tell you that 
maybe seven years ago, eight years ago, I would not imagine that my life would be that way, you know, or turn out that way. Um, and again, that's, there's a reason for everything. I think that's definitely has been God's guidance, uh, God guiding me throughout it all, you know? And so, yeah, so I get back from my mission and then I actually, during the, towards the end of our mission, one day I said, I want to, I think I want to pursue journalism. And, uh, and, and it was kind of crazy because I'm thinking, okay, I've been a missionary for, for my church and I've spoken about God and all that stuff. But at the same time, I've been talking to dozens of people every day. And I was constantly uh, stopping people on the streets and, and learning about their, their lives, their backgrounds. And I, I learned to enjoy that a lot. And I kind of realized that, again, I was going back to being a people person again. You know, I was opening up and I love that. And I, I realized that I wanted to, to get to know people and learn from them and also tell the stories of those that did not have a voice. And so I kind of, kind of realized, okay, you are an immigrant and you like storytelling. I think this is perfect for you. And so I come back to BYU and I remember enrolling uh, to three different prerequisite courses um, that you were required to take before applying to the journalism school at BYU. And so I take those classes and they're just phenomenal. Uh, one of the professors I had becomes, uh, then I becomes my best friend in the long run. And it's just amazing. And the program is just great. The professors are, are incredible, incredibly talented and super helpful. And so, yeah, so that's, that's kind of how it all started my journalism career. And I, I remember two years ago, perhaps almost three, I'm getting ready to graduate and I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to do? Like, I know journalism is very competitive. And at the time I was dating my husband and I was, I didn't know where things were going to go and all this, you know, <laughs> roller coaster of emotions, but um but yeah, I remember getting my first job, full-time job offer my senior year. So maybe, maybe like two or three weeks before I graduated. And that's very unusual because nowadays, especially if you're a journalism student, that's very unusual um, for a journalism student, considering journalism positions are very competitive. And you have to be willing to go to travel, you know, move to another state, start from scratch. And um, obviously you don't, you're not making as much as an accountant and, you know, and it's just all this stuff that I needed to consider. But, um, but I was very lucky to have gotten that job offer and it was like the dream job. And that's where I, my I guess my passion for storytelling is passion for telling stories from my community uh, grows even bigger more. And so, yeah, it's just, it's been a, it's been great. Um, yeah. Univision was my first home and um, I'm no longer there uh, throughout it. <laughs> I, I, I kind of changed career paths a little bit, but I'm still hoping to continue. Sure storytelling but 
So tell me in that time there, I mean, we've talked a lot about connecting with people in your community. Are there any stories that really stood out to you or themes that you really found that, you know, now with a platform like this, you could share with my listeners? Yeah. So are you asking about like stories from my time as a journalist at Univision? Sure. Oh, so I... Definitely, as a journalist for Univision, I needed to, um, I was, I guess I'm, I wasn't, how can I put this? As the, the stories that I was able to tell were kind of limited in comparison to a normal journalist for a, that works for a, a English-speaking news station here in the U.S., right? Um, and so I was reporting, repeatedly reporting or yeah, constantly reporting on immigration. So I was reporting about uh, DACA, which are um, people that are known as dreamers, uh, which we can later talk about that. But I was re uh, reporting on the, the detention centers and the public charge rule um, and all this stuff. But man, it's just kind of hard to, to tell just one story because there are just many, many stories. But I can tell you this. So... I guess that one experience I had uh, when I had to tell an immigration story kind of changed my perspective about working as a journalist for a, a news station. And uh, one day I, I, was, I, I was telling a story about this young guy, maybe in his early 20s from somewhere in Central America. I don't remember if it was Guatemala or uh, El Salvador. But so this guy was just in the US, um, had been in the US for maybe three years by then. He had left his native country because the gangs, the Mara Salvatruchas, which are uh, is the largest gang in Central America, were were going after him were threatening him um they were telling him that if he did not join the gang um their gang he was gonna die and so he that guy i learned he had gotten beat up he had um his family members were threatened to death and um it was just really bad for him and so it was him and his lawyer one of the one of the best known or most known lawyers here in Utah, immigration lawyers, um, that I was able to interview and I was able to go to his, one of his uh, court hearings where the judge would decide if he was gonna stay in the US or he was gonna be brought back to his native country in Central America. And this guy was just, you can see it in his eyes. He was just very worried, sad, but with this sense of hope, sense of hope that everything was, was going to turn out all right. And especially his, his attorney was very supportive and just, he was a really good attorney. He was doing everything he could for him to get him to win his case. But, um, but according to the attorney, things were just not looking that great. And wow, after that, when I got back to the station, you know, got my interview, got um, his comments, got the story down, just my heart just sank because I'm thinking about the thousands of people that are in that situation, not only in the U.S., but 
around the world, you know, that leave their countries and immigrate to another one to find a better future in harsh conditions like this one, you know, he was, he had, he had no choice. I mean, he left his country because he was being threatened to death. And then many are probably wondering right now, but why didn't he get help? You know, why didn't he seek help from the, the police or the government? Well, that's a whole nother story, right? But um, long story short, the countries in Central America and South America, um, the governments, the police are just so corrupt that they just won't do anything. And so even if um, this young guy had sought help and had tried to get help from uh political fears or the police it just they wouldn't help him because they were connected to those gang members those gangs and so yeah here he was and it was just it's kind of like a not traumatic but it was a very shocking experience for me which kind of that's when I decided okay I love telling my I love telling these stories for my immigrant brothers and sisters my immigrant community but I need to do a lot more. <laughs> and so that's kind of where it all kind of changes. And a couple months after I, because of that reason and other reasons, I decided to leave Univision and, and uh, become a paralegal for a, an immigration law firm and volunteer. So tell me this, how hard is it? You become a paralegal and help volunteer and people uh, becoming legal and going through the process you know, often when we hear about the immigration debate in America, you hear things like, well, just do it the right way or get approved, you know, and, and there's this uh, there's this stereotype about, around being, you know, quote unquote, illegal in America. How difficult is it to go through that process? And what have your experiences done to change your mindset on the immigration, uh, really the, the things that have to take place in the United States? Definitely, definitely. So when you think about immigration and you have not read much about it or informed yourself too much about it, um, you're just thinking immigrants in general, right? They come to the United States and they just want a better future and they just kind of want to take people's jobs, right? Because that's kind of like the mentality. Sure. Well, and even I've, I've kind of put myself in those people's shoes and thought about that. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, I mean, I'm from Peru and right now the Venezuelans are immigrating to Peru because of the political corruption that's going on there. And, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, what if I was in Peru and I have all of these Venezuelans coming to my country and taking jobs, you know, quote unquote, or, or just uh, vandalizing a lot of things and, you know, how would I feel? And so I've kind of put, had to put myself in those people's uh, American shoes to think, okay, I mean, that could be hard, you know, but when you're talking about legal immigrants and illegal immigrants, there's a difference, you know, and the chance of coming here as a legal immigrant, they're very scarce, they're very few. Most come here as international students. My husband is an international student. Mm -hmm. he, um, we got married three years ago. He came here legally, you know, he got his visa, his student visa at the U.S. Uh, or the Peruvian embassy, all cleared, you know, great guy, you know, no um, bad backgrounds or anything. Um, 
but you know, it's car. We're still waiting for his green card after a year of having applied. And so it's crazy, crazy, crazy um, hard. Um, but that's, that's only a select few. That's only a small percentage, you know? And then you also have the um, illegal immigrants, which are a lot of people like my dad, you know? He came here undocumented, one, uh, trying to find a better future. And a lot of those people don't have a choice but to come here illegally because the opportunities of coming here illegally and getting a visa at the embassy are very, very scarce, like I said. And so you have a lot of um, a lot of the immigrants across the US-Mexican border end up being illegal immigrants um, and seeking asylum, you know, and that's a whole nother topic, but you had about 100,000 immigrants coming to the US in February of this year, according to the Pew Research Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but that's always changing, you know, and back in April of 2020, that uh, amount, you know, was lower, it was down to 16,000. And so it just kind of all depends. And that's, you know, that's a whole nother topic. But yeah, it's very hard to come here as an, as a legal immigrant. And if you do end up becoming a legal immigrant in the United States, you usually do it through a family member. And most people, you know, come here, get married to a US citizen, and that's how they become legal immigrants. But even then, it's still hard. Like I said, you know, my husband, he's originally from Peru, got married to a US citizen, me, but he's still waiting for his visa. You know, we're still trying to figure uh, things out a lot. Um, when it comes to that. And so, yeah. So tell me, I think it's interesting to hear that perspective of, you know, how hard it is to have your papers, to be legal, to do it in the right way. Right. Uh, And with that being said, then I think a lot of Americans, myself included, are in the boat that would say, well, how do we make that progress, that process easier? How do we create more opportunities and allow more people to be a part of that? And is that what you're advocating? And if so, what what do you think we could do as a country to make that process easier to make a reality? You know what? It's a complicated question you're asking. And I wish I had the answer to that. Sure. (laughs) It all comes down, I think... I think it all comes down to the government politics. Politics are already complicated enough. Um, I think from now on, it's gonna get harder and harder with the circumstances that we're living under. Pandemics, you know, um, earthquakes, whatever, you know, it's just, it's got, it's gonna get, it's hard, it's gotten harder and it's gonna get even harder. Um, but I think the best thing as um, Americans could do or, or just people from their own countries when, they, when they're talking about immigrants or when they meet immigrants, you know, it's sympathizing, you know, sympathy is very important. Um, I think if, if it wasn't for, for my religion, for my faith um, in God uh, and um, having Jesus Christ as an example, I would not, I think, be where I am right now advocating or trying to advocate for immigrants. Um, because it's easy to just kind of look at yourself and and advocate for yourself, right? 
uh, try to find sure. those needs for yourself and take care of yourself first, you know, and, you know, it's very important. Don't get me wrong. Uh, self-care is very important, but there is times, there is time that you can make to learn about other people's uh, backgrounds, um, stories, uh, why they're here, why they decided to leave their countries. You know, um, you have this young man from Central America, like I was saying, escaping from bad people um, and that wanted to harm him and his family and wanted to kill him. You know, he was, it was a matter of life or life or death for him and so I think it's very important that we take a moment to you know there's tons of resources out there of course it's, it's very important that you find um uh, trust trusted sources right uh verify your sources but it's very but it's very important to to start reading about it start educating yourself about immigration um, start educating yourself about Latin America, I would say. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to uh, double major in journalism and Latin American studies, because I am from Peru, but I did not have the knowledge of how politics work in, in Latin America. And unfortunately, politics in Latin America or governments in Latin America are just corrupt to the point where they're willing to sell their people for money. And so... I think that's it's very important to kind of know, okay, what kind of groups are are coming, what kind of immigrant groups are coming to the US? You know, you have the families, you have the unaccompanied children that are crossing the border that are being sent by their parents to the US through the borders uh, by coyotes, you know, coyotes are smuggling them. And then you also have the single adults, you know, usually Mexican men leaving their, their countries to um, immigrate to the United States, uh, looking for a better future for for their their families, their spouses, their children. You know, so it's very important to kind of you know understand how it all works, and most importantly, sit down and listen to, to an immigrant, befriend an immigrant, um, and try to see them as Jesus would. You know, and so even if you're a believer or not, you know, treat them with kindness. Yeah. I think that's a great perspective. I think it's true in almost everything we talk about and do on this podcast of the power of empathy and listening to each, each other and seeking to understand from others' points of view. And with that, I kind of want to close with this question. To me, it's an interesting paradox where those that would consider themselves in you know American politics right now to be anti-immigration, even though I know that's a bad label to put on it, uh, they do so under this nationalist mindset, right? That it's build the wall, put America first, they're coming in and taking our jobs, just what you said, right? But it's also that same group that claims to be the most patriotic, right? That claims to wave the stars and stripes and wants the national anthem to be at the forefront of everything. And so to me, it's really interesting because that push comes from this very pro-America, pro-patriotic you know, patriotic side of things. But what you've explained in our conversations in a lot of ways to me is what I would label as the American dream. 
and in a lot of ways, what has made our country so great in the first place. And so I just want to close by asking from your personal experience and then the people that you've met along the way in the last few years, especially, what does the American dream mean to you? I think for me personally, the American dream is the ability to write your own future, to write your own story, to dictate your future um, according to the choices you make in your life. Um, I think we can all live the American dream, especially if we're in America, right? Um, and I think there are just tons of opportunities for everyone to live the American dream, not only, not only the immigrants, but the American itself, you know? Um, I think the American dream is seeking opportunities that you would not be able to seek in your, your own country as an immigrant. Um, and I think the American dream is, it's just, how can I explain it? There's just so much in my head right now that I'm trying to, you know, explain it. But yeah, I think that's, that's the American dream, um, living a, your life as, as happy as possible. Obviously, you're going to encounter challenges throughout the way, but living your life with hope, hoping that there's a better tomorrow. Uh, always keeping in mind that you have the ability to choose. You have, it's all on you, right? To make the best choices possible for you. And also your your brothers and sisters, your uh, fellow citizens, right? Um, because I think that's part of the price that comes with the American dream. Um, if you're an American, you're coming here to America, to the US, to not only find these great opportunities for yourself and for your families, but to also um, give back, right? To your community, give back to the United States. Uh, which is an amazing country, a wonderful country. Um, and so I think that's that's what the American dream is for many, many of us, many of us immigrants. We come here with that perspective in mind, not only to gain, but to give back. I love that. I, I think that was very, very well said. I love the very first line when you said, the ability to write your own future. And I think a lot of us as Americans take that for granted because it's something that we just know is a part of, you know, being an American. It's a part of living in this country. And no wonder why people from all over the world want to take part in that. They want to feel a part of that. And our country was founded upon immigrants and has for hundreds of years. And, you know, to me, I've really thought a lot about the question lately of like, well, what is it that makes America so great? What is it that makes our country unique? And I think, you know, people like your dad and bringing you and now the generations to follow from your dad, that only makes us as a country, speaking of the U.S. here, better. And, you know, so whatever we can do to try to do it still in a responsible way, but to make it easier for those achievers and those that want to take part in that American dream to do it like we did. Uh, it's something I'm in support of. And uh, I'm definitely in support of 
these types of conversations to open up, to listen to each other. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And uh, for those of you listening at home, feel free. If you want to share your stories, we have a new voicemail hotline for the podcast now. So people can call in and leave their thoughts. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic. Or if you have questions for Christina, I can pass those along to her as well. Anything you want to say in closing, Christina? No, I just want to say thank you. And thank you for deciding to sit down and listen to my story and also listen to other people's stories. Um, I think there's just such huge power in not only telling stories, but listening to stories. And a lot of us journalists do it because of that. We want to build bridges, you know, between people and make connections and uh, strengthen those relationships. And so thank you for having me. And thank you for doing this. I think it's amazing. Absolutely. And you have started your own YouTube channel that's focused on this. Uh, do you want to tell people how they can find it and where where they can see you more? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I started my own YouTube channel just a couple of weeks ago. And it's it's I'm kind of doing something like you, similar. I did not copy you, I promise. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I think podcasting is very popular nowadays. And it's a great way to, like I said, build uh, relationships, strengthen relationships with people um, and inform others. Um, and so, yeah, I started a YouTube channel, me and my husband, where we're Um, telling stories of uh, people that have amazing and incredible uh, lives and backgrounds. And it's just more of like an inspirational project that uh, we, we want to, we want people, we want to inspire people through these stories and it's very new. Uh, We're hoping to uh, keep building some content and keep finding those uh, amazing people with, with admiring admire backgrounds and so yeah so hopefully awesome so they just search christina bolaños on uh youtube correct just yeah it's just christina bolaños under my name so if you want to take a look you're welcome to perfect go do it well i appreciate you coming on thank you everyone for listening and until next time clowns to the left me jokers to the right here i am stuck in the middle with you see you next time thanks christina Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle.